Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that hates private property but loves communal spaces. Today we have Ozzy, Zoe, and Laura. And today we're talking about radical uses of real estate, different ways that folks on the left are using property to help build community and sort of push back against the stranglehold that investment banks hold over so much land in this country. We are joined by two amazing guests today, Rahel Biru, who is a collective member at Mayday Space, which is an organizing center and community event space in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and Elise Golden, a campaign organizer with the New Economy Project, who works on the New York City Community Land Initiative. Uh, So why don't we start out by having each of you introduce yourselves a little bit for the listeners. Um, Rahel, do you want to start us off? Uh, Sure thing. Um, so my name is Rahel, uh, she, her pronouns. Um, I have been living in New York, um, and, 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 and in Bushwick, um, for over 12 years now. Um, and for about six of those years, I have been an active member, volunteer, um, and even staff member at, uh, Mayday Space, which is a, pillar of Bushwick. It has helped me uh, make so many connections and friendships. It has helped me lead the North Brooklyn DSA uh, branch. Uh, I feel like we are, you know, one of the strongest branches because Mayday Space was there to be an affordable place for us to organize and plan events. Um, And yeah, it's helped me grow as an organizer, as a leftist. Um, I use it not only to host personal fundraisers and parties, but also to um, read, you know, challenging texts with uh, people that I meet and volunteers that um, come through the space and help support uh, the activities that happen here. So um, I, as long as I, you know, live in Bushwick, I will, you know, want to be a part of Mayday Space. Um, I'm no longer a staff member there. Um, It is a very do-it-yourself, not as well-resourced organization, and it is, you know, it is people-powered, but in a manner that is labor-donated. I think that's one of its strengths, Um, and I want to always make sure that's the case for myself also. Um, So I'm not a staffer there anymore, but um, I am a collective member and will be um, as long as I'm in Bushwick and in Brooklyn. Um, Also, most importantly, Mayday Space is how Rahel met me. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) so true. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, And Elise, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I guess, well, first, shout out to Mayday Space, who had an amazing event yesterday that I had an awesome time at. So thanks for putting that on. Yeah, Yeah. I'm glad you you came out. It was great. Oh, my God, wait, what was it? I'm assuming it was for Mayday. Mayday Space's namesake. There you go. (laughs) Kind of all, you know, comes together. Um, But yeah, you know, International Workers Day, we had to show up and show out. And um, the vibes were very on. (laughs) true um yeah so i'm elise she or they pronouns um i work as uh ozzy said as a campaign organizer um for the new economy project um and my role is to help coordinate the nicely the new york city community land initiative 
um, which is a coalition of community land trusts across New York City. Um, we have, I think, somewhere around like 25 members of either community land trusts or groups that are like providing technical assistance to CLTs. Um, yeah, I mean, I can talk more about it now or later, but of like defining CLTs and stuff. Yeah, we'll definitely, we will definitely get, cool. I have a question for you on that. Great. Yeah. Okay. Also, very importantly, before we dive in, what are each of your signs? I'm a Sagittarius. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. So is Zoe, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> I just um, love them. I'm a Gemini. So. Also, we stand. We yeah. stand Gemini's yeah. on this podcast. Sister oh, signs. Good. Well, that's powerful. We love um, the chaotic energy that both of you ha- will bring, and we embrace <laughs> that deeply. Um, so I have like a little bit of a more theoretical question for y'all, but you don't have to answer it. Like, if you don't have an answer for it, that's okay. I'm just a little philosophical bitch but I was curious if you had thoughts or could talk about like the politics of physical space generally um I've worked with some like urban studies Marxists who talk a lot about things like the politics of sidewalks or parks buildings you know kind of anything like that and like why is space itself so important and like what future do you envision as it relates to physical space um, I fancy myself a uh, philosopher of sorts. Um, oh, yeah. You know, in a way, I feel like Mayday Space is one of those liminal, uh, free and private and sort of public spaces. I think a lot of public spaces, you know, publicly open spaces are, it is necessary to pay to participate in them. Um, and to the extent that um, the Mayday organization needs to pay others to exist. Um, there is a contradiction or tension um, among the people who work there um, about charging folks to use the space, um, especially when it's very clear in our, you know, sort of volunteer base that many folks who do support us are not longtime or original residents from the neighborhood. Um, And so trying to be good stewards of a space that isn't originally mine or even half the people who regularly use the space and, you know, fellowship with me and other folks who have been in the neighborhood a long time, including um, a, you know, a couple of colleagues, um, at least three colleagues of mine, you know, are Bushwick residents. And um, it's, I appreciate so much their perspective. Um, one of them, Ings, um, they're a current staffer here at Mayday, and they were the sort of community safety um, liaison yesterday. And, you know, when the cops were in the space, they reminded, you know, the crowd, like, basically what their job was based on the kind of person that they are, um, which you can't help. Um, But, you know, as a white person or as a straight person, as, you know, someone who has more power in that moment, um, it is necessary to remind ourselves um, sort of where we fit in that and behave accordingly. And um, I think Mayday does as well as, I would say Mayday does better than most places when it comes to making that clear um and trying to 
do it better, <laughs> even mm. if we don't always succeed um, in that. So thank you. Yeah, totally. Elise, I'm not sure if you also had any thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I can add I'm not a philosopher. I feel like um... as a Sagittarius, you kind of <laughs> are inherently. I was going to say, but you're a Sag, so it's in there. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I mean, I think that so this is not my current job, but my a past job that I've had as an organizer of street vendors. Mm. We talked a lot about like street vendors taking up space and kind of navigating public space. And of course, that also shows up in, in this work around community land trusts. But I think like, why is it so politicized, right? Is like, you know, who's controlling our city? Who has the ability to call the cops and like kick people out of spaces, whether that be private or public, you know, we still see street vendors or other people being, or homeless people, right, being forced out of public spaces all the time. And like, why is that happening? And I think, you know, just like everywhere else, like who is controlling where we live? And that to me is like real estate, big businesses, like, you know, the city that is like being bought out by those groups. Um, and how are we creating spaces like Mayday Space um, and community land trusts or like helping groups like street vendors have more power and be able to assert that power mm -hmm. to have control over like where we live and like be able to um, show up fully and like visibly, right? Mm -hmm. um but I think it's like yeah why is it so politicized is like yeah I mean I just see it all as like under capitalism and totally like yeah racial capitalism of like wanting to present a certain type of like vision for to like bring in more money and gentrify our communities um absolutely yeah I just wanted to ask actually a little follow-up to that based on what you both were we're saying I'm curious in the work that both of y'all are doing what you've noticed about the kind of um, like racial and, and gender breakdowns of the people doing this work to create these spaces because I think we talk about this a lot um, in terms of the podcast being like this online space that we've created for like people that are not men for queer people queer queer people <laughs> queer people <laughs> um but yeah, just curious if you've seen how that kind of plays into your work of specifically marginalized people trying to like really form these spaces that are like able to exist because a lot of existing spaces are created for like rich white men, like you're alluding to, Elise. I would say that most people that come through Mayday, especially like on our on our volunteer basis, are I would say from the transplant or like newer residents, um, I would think, I, I think that's related to our politics, which are more out, outwardly left um, than maybe the people in the community who have lived here longer um, identify themselves. Uh, I think mm -hmm. if they are involved in politics, it is in a very, um, in a more narrow sense. And those communities and those clubs and networks are are, are already they are have already been formed um and so to the extent that they still exist i think they 
even less desire to maybe talk to the newer people in the community. But particularly in Bushwick, uh, there are two communities that are sort of together or most represented. Um, it's like longer term Latino residents and people who have come recently in the last 10 to 15 years. And I would say the transplants are the ones who are the most of our volunteer base at May Day. I think folks from all across the demographic spectrum use the space. Um, but as far as our volunteer base is concerned, um, it does reflect what I would consider the sort of typical, excuse me, um, the typical group of leftist and really politically activated people in left spaces. I think there are obviously politically activated people in like the Democratic Party who are in this age cohort um, and also people of color um, and from networks of residents who have been here for a longer period of time. And I want May Day, and I know that our collective is also really concerned with this, um, but May Day wants to bridge that gap and bring those two communities who live alongside each other, but don't really, um, yeah, mix and mingle as much. Um, and the festival, festival of resistance from yesterday, I think is a part of um, that project. So I'm not sure where, <laughs> uh, I forget where I kind of started on this one, but uh, yeah, hopefully that'll work out. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's great. Thank you. Okay. Elise, did you have anything? You don't have to. Yeah, I mean, it, my mind goes to like many different places. Um, I think that like in terms of like the community land trust movement, I think, you know, the more kind of like based in a neighborhood and focused on like the organizing of the neighborhood um, that a CLT is, like the more it's going to bring kind of like people who are kind of like the most at risk of displacement and the long-term residents. Um, and the times when we see a CLT like kind of lean more like white or more gentrifier is like when the CLT is like started by that group and then it's like more mm -hmm. of an afterthought mm -hmm. or at least like presents like an afterthought to then like bring in longer term, you know, community members. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know. I just like think to like, the structure and the founding and like how much buy-in groups have. And I feel like that turns up like mm. over and over again. And yeah, in organizing spaces. Totally. Yeah. Well, on that note, Elise, I wanted to ask if you could explain what community land trusts are a little bit for folks who maybe aren't aware. Um, and I guess uh, like why they're a useful tool when it comes to real estate ownership and if there's anything specific you want to share about how nicely fits into that in New York. Sure, yeah. So <laughs> I will do my best to, to explain. I'm newer to this work and like it can feel very complicated, but basically a community land trust is an entity, it's a nonprofit entity that separates the land from the uses of the land. So the community land trust might like kind of control and steward land um, and then lease out the land to different groups, like maybe uh, nonprofit housing developers or a community garden 
or a cultural space, whatever the community is sort of wanting. Um, and the community land trust would then have some sort of accountability for those who are using the land to make sure that it's affordable and is being used sort of for the public good. Um, and a CLT is often made up of like kind of the larger community, um, ideally in like, you know, sort of an organizing model of bringing in all sorts of voices, um, as well as like the people who are actually living or using the land. Um, and then like often some technical assistance providers. But, you know, the benefit of a community land trust is really to take land and housing off of the speculative market so that, you know, it's not being just bought and sold as a commodity, but is really in the hands of a community with accountability being used for the common good. That's like its most idealized form. Totally. Well, I also feel like it helps with like eminent domain laws because like there's less likely that a corporation could come in and be like, well, we own the land under your land or whatever because mm. a community land trust is like, no, we're here. Yeah, this is our land. Like we, yeah, exactly. That's really, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and just to like put out there, like the CLT movement was started by black farm workers in Georgia who, you know, during the civil rights movement um, and really saw controlling land as, as an element of self-determination um, and really kind of like created this model. Um, and so, yeah, just like, I, I, and one other point is that uh, like democratic decision-making is a really central component as well as um, in a CLT. So really like collective ownership is, yeah. Sorry, this is very like. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. No, sorry. <laughs> okay, thank you. It's, it's, it's um, perfect. Thank you so much for explaining that. Yeah, and I feel like that actually leads really well into my next question, which is more for Rahel, which is basically just could you talk about what the day-to-day -day of running Mayday Space has been like and how do you all sort of collectively make decisions about a property um, and like sort of use that more democratic model for a piece of real estate? Mm -hmm. um, well, first I wanna say, I'm not shocked that uh, CLTs was started by black, black folks um, having the longest civil rights struggle um, this country's ever seen. Um, I, I would say that the way that Mayday is governed, at least the organization, and our primary mission is stewarding a space for the movement. Um, we have a collective structure, um, and it, you know, it aims for consensus. Every once in a while, we do have, uh, you know, a vote maybe on, um, you know, bringing in new collective members or on a um, maybe bigger collaborative um, programming event. Um, but typically like we are on the same page when it comes to um, making sure that grassroots organizations, especially volunteer-based organizations um, can afford to meet um, and have infrastructure to meet and organize against what we know is a predatory and destructive system. Um, there is, uh, we do have, um, you know, a donate a donation structure, or we have members or uh, monthly sustainers. 
Um, they don't have a voting right um, necessarily. They kind of affirm the work we're doing by the, with their, you know, with their donation. Um, I would say that we do. Um, what, what am I thinking? Um, say for example, say for example, when we are planning an event, we do have our volunteers come to meetings and brainstorm ideas and also um, organizations that we can collaborate with. Um, so it's a more collaborative consensus building and maybe more, you know, anarchistic way of organizing a space so that it does require people having more time to participate. Um, and that's sort of a necessary evil, I would say, when it comes to organizing a space that is very affordable and not um, and needs labor to be donated for it to run. Um, so again, that kind of goes back to the kinds of folks who are more heavily involved or more ready to volunteer. But also we, when we're looking for new collective members or when we're looking for staff, as I said before, we always want to have someone from the community who's been here a long time or even grew up in the community. We have um, a longtime collective member named Bati, who her family have been here for her whole life. She has a young child in the school system. Um, there's always like a need and we recognize that and want to make sure that's always centered, that there is, you know, um, a parent, a, you know, someone who is in an intergenerational home so that we can always have that point of view represented and make sure we move and don't do anything that would jeopardize the community and folks that would be affected by what we do. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I wanted to ask for, for both of you, what are some of the challenges of the work that you do? Um, particularly, I guess, as it relates to, you know, there's of course a lot of challenges with how real estate, um, works specifically in the U S. So are there like challenges that you come up against? Or I noticed both of you were talking about kind of the discrepancy between, um, people who have been living in these communities for a long time versus those, um, doing more of this like political work. So challenges with that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think for us at Nicely in the past, maybe four years, we've seen a beautiful explosion of community land trusts across the city. So I think maybe like five years ago, there was probably, I think there was one community land trust. And now there are I think we estimate about two dozen and there's literally people reaching out to us all the time asking, you know, how do we create a CLT? And I think that it's because people are really seeing like the gentrification and displacement and are seeing CLTs as like a really exciting tool um, to curb those things. Um, but, and so that's amazing, but like, at this point, out of all the CLTs that are organizing and are um, sort of, yeah, becoming more ready to take on land and housing, there's only three CLTs that actually have acquired any land. One of them is that really long-term CLT that started in the 80s, Cooper Square CLT. Um, and the other two like have been working with the city and, and that's great. But, you know, there's lots of groups that are like, you know, have identified land that they have done visioning processes on and like see really amazing community uses, 
or, you know, are working with tenants or residents that really want to bring their homes into CLTs and make sure they remain permanently affordable. Um, but yeah, so I guess unsurprisingly in New York City, like with the insane real estate market, that's like the big challenge is how do we get, how do we actually get the land? Um, and I can talk more now or later about like some of the policy campaigns that we're working on, which are, you know, aimed at getting more land into CLT control. Um, I could just say briefly that when, um, so for full transparency, um, Mayday is subleasing from a church, which is a, you know, they're very progressive Episcopalian, you know, diocese, right? And during the pandemic, we were more secure because the diocese wasn't expecting um, money. They were basically like, we, we understand what you're doing here that you can't have, you know, people in the space. Um, so that was a benefit, but it's also not a relationship that um, is necessarily sustainable as like a leftist organization. They also, as a church organization, are not technically supposed to be in a lease with a non-religious, you know, group. So what we have isn't like necessarily like the most you know, laid out and particularly legal leasing kind of, you know, situation, right? So Mayday, um, the organization is always been looking for something that was, you know, affordable, something that gave us more protections um, and something that wasn't going to be a sort of gentrifying um, behavior on our part which is a lot of hurdles and very difficult and very challenging. Um, so what ended up happening is that for the entire time I worked here, we've been in this church space um, and, you know, been able to share the affordability that they afford us with the community, given all the challenges of it being a very old building that's not very, you know, well heated, um, that also isn't accessible for wheelchairs and folks like, and, and um, other machines like that. Um, so that's a challenge that is not readily fixable. And we looked into doing the community land trust, um, but the process seemed very long. Um, the high level of democratic um, coordination also was very daunting. Um, and so we have looked at various avenues and who could fund us to buy a building for us or to enter into a really nice lease with us. Um, but all of that kind of is overwhelming to manage when you're also trying to manage volunteers and when you're trying to create programming and when you're you know trying to manage a building for the most part that is not really in your control you kind of you know press for control as much as you can um but it is it's challenging on many on many fronts we should talk more if you all are <laughs> if you all want to explore definitely CLTs or, or other groups yeah Love that for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I would I would love to hear a little bit more, Elise, um, just about like yeah. specific projects that y'all are working on right now. Um, and if there are any ways that folks, especially in New York, but also maybe more broadly can support your work. Totally. Yeah. So nicely as a coalition, um, we kind of focus on sharing resources, like Get it, making sure that groups who are organizing have access to legal assistance or other sort of technical support. 
But then a big part of our work as a coalition is, is really trying to push forward policy campaigns that are going to take land and housing out of the speculative market and put, them, put, put it into the hands of community members or nonprofit entities or CLTs um, to control and keep permanently affordable. And so we have a pretty long list of um, sort of policy demands. Some of them are at the city level in New York City and some are at the state level. Um, on the city side, we are fighting uh, for a bill that we're calling public land in public hands, saying that whenever the city is getting rid of its public land, um, it should never go to like corporate for-profit developers who are just gonna, you know, build luxury housing, mm-hmm. um, which we see the city doing over and over again. Um, I don't know if you all remember, like Amazon was gonna come in and, and put their headquarters here on, on our public mm-hmm. land. Yeah. And the, yeah, and the community successfully fought them off and actually formed a community land trust and are figuring out what to do with that land. Um, oh, amazing. But yeah, so we wanna basically pass a bill that says whenever the city is getting rid of public land that it should be prioritized to go to community land trusts or other Mm -hmm. nonprofits Mm -hmm. that are gonna guarantee permanent and deep affordability and some form of community control. So that's, that's one bill. We're also trying to pass a bill uh, called Community Opportunity to Purchase which is similar to a state bill tenant opportunity to purchase or TOPA, which would say that, I'll talk about TOPA on the state level. Like if you're living in a building, it would basically give you the first right to buy your building when it goes up for sale. So it would encourage tenants to organize. Mm -hmm. It would ideally, you know, provide some, some funding support and get tenants to either buy their building and become like a, you know, a low equity co-op or could decide, you know, we don't want to buy it or we are, we're either not able or we choose not to, but we want this community land trust or this, you know, ownership model that we choose um, to, to come in and run our building. Um, and so we're working on a bill on the state and, and the city side um, that would do that. And then Another, sorry, another, uh, no, sorry. (laughs) Another um, city kind of policy that we're working on is is to abolish the tax lien sale. So right now, if you're a property owner and you get liens on Mm. your property because you're not, maybe, maybe you're not paying your taxes for whatever reason, the city is currently selling those liens to a predatory private entity mm-hmm. to then do the collection and that and like the collection basically tons and tons of um, like interest accumulates really rapidly and often property owners lose their their properties which you know is fine for us if it's like a slumlord right and but is really problematic and we're seeing it often in like especially black mm-hmm. communities where they're like long-term older black homeowners are, you know, their homes are going through this sale and they're losing their property and then losing their equity, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so we're working on a campaign to try to end this predatory tax lien sale and find ways for community land trusts to be a tool, um, among other options, to make sure that people stay in their homes, that equity stays in Black and other communities of color, and that, you know, we can also use this opportunity to take buildings away from predatory slumlords, right? Mm -hmm. And bring, bring the buildings either into the hands of tenants or CLTs. Um, so yeah, so basically, in summary, all of these bills are trying to find ways to bring more land and housing, you know, off, off the speculative market into the hands of communities, which I really like trying to put communities of color who are at risk of displacement, like front and center. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing those things. So we are very close on time. Um, but before we end, just wanted to ask if you both have anything else you want to share, particularly if there's any advice that you would give to other people interested in doing similar work. And also, um, Rahel, if you want to share how people can help support Mayday Space as well. Sure. To sort of respond to what Elise was saying before, um, you know, nonprofits, like any um, tool, uh, can be used you know, better or worse. Um, and I think there are examples of nonprofits, um, you know, around the country, but in New York, that do play more of a real estate kind of game with their, you know, accumulation. Um, and there is a tension around, you know, how to move as a nonprofit um, that's also has anarchists and radicals and, um, you know, communists organizing with them and to, you know, A, use every tool that we have, but also make, you know, a no decision is going to be, you know, perfect. Um, and we, you know, have former, um, former members are city council people right now. Um, and, you know, just like Elise, Mayday is willing to use the state, willing to, you know, talk to nonprofits, but also make demands of them and enter into an agreement with them that, um, does as much as it can to keep the affordability that people in our network expect from us um, and to keep our resources. Um, for example, like all of our equipment, the tables and chairs, if you're having an event out of doors and you're you know, a member, a you know, monthly donor or someone who has used the space before and we trust you as an organization, you can you know, borrow our equipment you know, for a couple of days, you give us a deposit, um, and you bring it back and we give you your money back, you know? Um, and so that ethos and those materials um, and the space and the infrastructure that we steward, um, affordability for our comrades is, you know, front and center. And no matter what kind of agreement or state agency or whatever we have to use, uh, we're going to make sure that that's always um, a part of it. Um, and people can, you know, get involved with Mayday either by taking a class or helping us um, with an event that we're gonna throw. We have a volunteer orientation um, next Wednesday. Um, but yeah, if you follow us on Instagram, you're gonna see all the awesome things we're doing and all the events that you can attend. Um, and I'd love to see you know more people, more people there helping us out. Awesome. Um, yeah, and then I guess Elise, if there's anything else you wanna share just about like advice for folks who are interested in getting involved in this work. Yeah. Um... 
You can similarly check out our website, nyccli.org, or follow us on Twitter. Um, we have a ton of events coming up, particularly around um, places that CLTs are really looking to acquire. Um, so yeah, so we have, we have a bunch of actions coming out. Um, and you can always reach out to us on our website um, if you're interested in forming a CLT or connecting with a local CLT. Um, yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you both oh, yeah. so much for joining us today. This is really awesome to hear about the work that y'all are doing. Um, and yeah, I, I think our listeners will really appreciate it. And we do too. Yeah, Thanks thank for having you. us. <laughs> Thanks. Um, all right. That is our episode for this week. Um, hope y'all enjoyed it. I'm very excited that we got to talk about um, some on the ground work happening in New York. Um, definitely check out both the New Economy Project and Mayday Space, um, especially if you're in New York, but also if you're in other places looking for folks doing work to connect with around real estate. Um, and after you've done that, you should head to patreon.com slash season of the bitch, where you can find out more about our work and support us. Um, we have a discord and actually next week, we're going to be starting up our trans horror movie screening series, which I'm very excited about. Um, so definitely check that out. All the information is on Patreon. Um, and if you join the discord, you can get more information and join like our ongoing discussions about those things. Um, we um, also have a zaddy tier and we don't have enough zaddies, <laughs> so get on it. <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> if you happen to have some disposable income, we we have somewhere you can provide that. <laughs> just uh, yeah, just just putting that out there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at season of the bee. Um, email us season of the bee at gmail.com. We have a website season of the bee.com. If you have to pick one, though, just go to our Patreon. Everything's there. Um, and rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Say nice things. We need them to survive. Thank True. you so much. <laughs> Love, Love you. you all. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.